Uh, Today's reading is from Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 to 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Then he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but not, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is God's word. Thank you guys uh, for reading. Morning, everyone. Uh, if uh, you're joining us uh, this morning, it's a slightly different for the, uh, the month of January, so um, rather than uh, as we have normally would be working our way sequ- sequentially uh, through a book of the Bible, we're just doing a little topical series uh, this month. It began uh, last week, uh, then Paul Dawson uh, here, and we'll continue this month. Don't waste your life, really is the theme. We'll spend it all in Luke's gospel from now on in, but not, not sequentially, so a little bit different. <laughs> A little bit different in the month of January, but hopefully of use. Let me, um, let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll jump straight in. Our great God and Father, thank you uh, once again for the evident relevance of your word. As we turn to the scriptures and read Jesus saying that we're not to worry, we think what could be more relevant to our lives, which are so full of worry. Help us understand his command, how we can actually live this way. We pray it for our good, as well as the honor of your name. Amen. 
That's not well known. It's a, it's a fairly well-known story. I think the the uh, the history of the Nobel Prizes, Peace Prize, literature, whatever it may be. Uh, you know the uh, the account that back in 1888, uh, Alfred Nobel, then uh, the Swedish, I think, uh, Swedish uh, chemist and um, uh, inventor of all sorts of explosives, dynamite, etc., uh, had a bit of a shock uh, when he read his obituary in the newspaper. And uh, his uh, brother, Ludwig, had uh, died while on holiday in France. And uh, the local newspaper in, in France had sort of got a bit of a mistake and so had printed Alfred Nobel's obituary instead. So it's a bit of a wake-up call, I guess, to read your own obit. Um, what would be said about you? With a headline in the newspaper that uh, Alfred Nobel read was, The Merchant of Death is Dead. And in the opening paragraph... Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding more ways to kill more people faster than anyone else, died yesterday. And he thought to himself, that's my legacy. That's how I'm remembered. I produce more ways of killing more people faster than anyone else. And in one sense, unsurprisingly, he thought... I don't want to be remembered like that. Uh, you know, if I could have an epitaph attached to my name, Merchant of Death is not really how I'd like to be known. I remember Grandpa, well, the Merchant of Death, yeah, that Grandpa. Um, you know, that's not, that's not really what I want to be known for. And so, that's, by all accounts, um, that's when everything changed. He decided to set aside the vast bulk of his estate then to establish the Nobel Foundation, which you know, obviously distributes money every year for the cultural and, and, and scientific prizes. So he put aside 95% of his wealth, uh, which today apparently is worth about 360 million pounds and pays for uh, the prize every year. And so now, of course, when people hear Nobel, they think, Generous, humanitarian, philanthropist, and not merchant of death. So in one sense, you know, he achieved his aim. But not many of us, I guess, that sort of wake-up call. So if tomorrow you got to read your obituary, what would it say? Would you be satisfied? I guess for most of us, it's a bit bland. I speak of myself as, as well as anyone else. Uh, merchant of mediocrity. Um, professor of unimportance or whatever it may be. But certainly I was struck, I think I've said this before, in the autumn going to the funeral of a relative. It wasn't a Christian occasion in any sense, but there was nothing to say. Nothing. Even the children were older than me. He came. He went. I found it enormously sobering. And of course, I don't think that's abnormal. And so what I want to think about for this month is, surely don't we want to do something that lasts? that matters, that counts. There's actually something to write in an obit. Or to put it in another way, uh, 
spend a month just thinking, uh, in one sense, about the, the sort of CT stud, the missionary, his famous little doggerel line, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. What do we want our lives to be about? And so the next three, we go a bit like this. Don't waste your life by worrying. We'll look at uh, today in Luke 12. Don't waste your life by ignoring the lost, Luke 16, next week. And, and then don't waste your life by neglecting your gifts, Luke 19. Just these three. But that's what we're thinking about uh, this month, not wasting our lives. So here we are in Luke chapter 12. And uh, we're going to break it down. We're just the second half of that reading, verses 22 uh, to the end, 34. And uh, you've got an outline. Don't live a life of worry, verses 22 and 3. Because your father knows what you need, 24 to 30. So pursue a greater purpose, 29 to 34. All we're going to do with this story, it's quite straightforward. Don't worry. Let me just read again. Uh, Jesus has, uh, uh, the first bit within uh, verses 13 to 21, Jesus has just finished this parable of this very affluent, foolish man because he was self-obsessed with what he could build and about his future and a life of comfort and ease. And Jesus continues then talking just, just his disciples, verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or about your body, what you'll wear, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Now what's he saying there? Don't worry I don't think here he's saying, he's not addressing the sort of very normal human reaction. Someone you love is taken to A&E in hospital. You worry. He's not talking about that. You, you have a crisis in your family. All of a sudden, you lose your job. He's not talking about the sort of crisis moments and the inevitable uh, emotional response to them, but just the sort of daily pattern of life, verses, verse 22. Don't worry about what you'll eat or your body or what you'll wear. These are not crisis moments. And obviously he's not saying, because it's really good to be hungry, and it's really good to be naked. But he's saying, verse 23, because for life's about more than that stuff. There's more to life than food, and what you look like, and what you wear. Those food and clothing, they, just, they keep life going, they're important along the way, but they're not what life is about. If you make your life about those things, that's really dull. Imagine you're going to visit some family for the evening or the day, or go and visit some friends. And um, you arrive there, and all you talk about for hours is the petrol that you put in your car. It's just, you're just obsessed with the petrol. And you said, do you know the price? It was 123.7. And here I drove past that. It was, it was this price, it was this price, this price. And this service station had these sweeties at the counter. And, and, and I think, yeah, but what? Hello? We're here. You've driven here to see us. That's why you're here. Yeah, but I just want to talk about petrol. That would be odd. And Jesus is saying, this life is, is not about food and clothing. They're sort of useful for, along the way. But life is more than that. Life is about knowing me, says the Lord, and my kingdom. That's what it's about. 
So don't worry about the details, the small things, the, the stuff that just gets you along the road. But we do. By any criteria, medical, empirical, we are a culture in the West of obsessive worry. Clinical and non-clinical markers. So psychologists repeatedly now speak of an anxiety epidemic. You could look at published academic papers. I bizarrely went and did this uh, uh, this week. And uh, this is a slightly random graph. But um, let me do, this talks about, this is published academic papers globally with anxiety in the title. So in 1930, there were six, 1950, 163, 1970, 2,000 odd, 1990, 7,000 odd. In 2010, 50,000 papers got published in that year with the word anxiety in the title. Now, look, I know there's, sort of, there's more interest, there's more, uh, there's more research. I, I know that. But you look at that trajectory from 1930 to, well, we're a lot more anxious now. I observe between 1930 and 1950, there was a world war. I mean, I imagine that's quite worrying. But we're much more anxious now. We're obsessed. And of course, most commentators would say, we just focus in on ourselves and upon small details of life. And it's crushing. So one journalist, Richard Eckersley, uh, commenting, oh, there was a book that came out last year, Anxiety Epidemic. It was just his review of the book. Anyway, he said, look, quote, we've entered an era of often pathological self-preoccupation. Didn't you wish you could write a phrase like that? It's a great phrase, isn't it? An era of pathological self-preoccupation with our looks, careers, sex lives, personal development, health, fitness, and so on. We're so self-focused. So I read a little while back that now the government has introduced compulsory lessons. I mean, you know this, compulsory lessons for four-year-old children in how to handle depression. And you think, oh, Really? Because there's an epidemic of anxiety. So perhaps Jesus' command is more timely than ever. Don't obsess about life, appearance, body. Because really what he's saying here is not in the great dramas, but in the ongoing normal pattern of life. Worry comes... Worry comes from self-focus and small hopes. And peace comes from having a Godward focus and seeking his kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. The, the, the worry comes when we just shrink in and look in. Don't live a life of worry. And of course, I don't know, you may be different, but... Um, you can read these things and he's like, yeah, well, it's all right for Jesus. He was just wandering around in a much simpler age. Jesus didn't have my boss. Jesus didn't have my overdraft. Jesus didn't have my kids. And you think, yeah, but he did have the weight of the world upon his shoulders. I, I think he knows what it means to be burdened. 
He says, don't live a life of worry. Why not? Well, because your father knows what you need. And really, here's the truth that underpins the chapter. Your father, or the section, your father knows what you need. Verses 24 to 30. That's this thought that comes up recurrently. So verse 24, God feeds the birds. Verse 28, God clothes the grass of the field. Verse 30, your father knows what you need. Because in the end, Jesus is saying, worry is, it's a faulty view of God. You think to yourself, I have to worry because God doesn't care about the details of my life or he's not able to deal with the details of my life. Therefore, I have to worry. In the end, it's a flawed view of who he is. Let's work through it. The first example, then, the birds. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Now, a few caveats. Let me just put them in place so we don't get misunderstood. Look, he's not saying, therefore, you don't have to go to work ever. Uh, Birds do have to work to get their food. The worms don't sort of wiggle up to them and go, open your mouth, birdie, and throw themselves in. That's not how it works. The birds do have to work a little bit to get their food. So he's not saying you don't go to work. He's not saying, secondly, don't plan for the future. I mean, here his example is ravens. He could have said, consider the squirrels and how they put nuts in a tree and hibernate. Is that what they do? Um, In a tree. Or they find a secret, they sound a secret hidey hole, don't they, and put their nuts. They plan. He could have taken that example from nature So he's not saying don't ever plan for the future. He's not saying don't go to work. He's not saying don't plan. He's not saying, thirdly, that there are never any troubles. The ravens still have predators coming after them. There are birdie diseases, which means people get sick. Half 500 million animals died in the Australian bush. I mean, animals still do die, okay? So he's not saying those things. He is saying you can trust God to provide you through the normal scheme of life. You can trust him. Live his way, follow his wisdom, and you'll have what you need. Not necessarily everything you'd want, of course. Maybe not the labels you want, the restaurants you want, the car you want, whatever it may be, but he'll provide you what you need. Because he provides for the birds through ordinary means, and he loves you more than birds. That's how he cares more for humans. Verse 25 is a very practical question, is it? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Well, you can't. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? It's a great question, isn't it? You read that and go, well, that is true. I've just spent the last hour gazing into space, stressing out. That has not achieved me very much. We know that. What about the flowers, verse 27? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Flowers don't last long, and God gives them stunning colors. He'll give you what you need. A rebuke there at the end of verse 28, you of little faith. I'd use a little term, but he comes up here and in Matthew chapter 8. 
where uh, Jesus is asleep in the boat and the, the big storm comes up onto the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember this story? And all the disciples go, oh, we're going to drown, we're going to drown, we're going to drown. Jesus, wake up, we're going to drown. And Jesus calms the storm and says, you have little faith. In other words, you really should have known better than that. And that's what he's saying here. Why are you worried? You really should know better than that. Observe. God takes care of the flowers. He'll take care of you. Come on. He's saying to Christians here, why are you worrying? If you know that God is a father who cares for you, you don't need to worry. But here's the sort of, you can put it in a machine sort of term. If you, if you take the raw material of self-focus and small dreams and ambitions and you feed them into the machine, that's your input. Your output of life is worry. Self-focus, small ambitions, worry. That's what life looks like. But if you input God is my father and working for his kingdom, that's a worthwhile way to spend your life, then your output is peace. That's what he's saying. Don't live a life of worry. Your father knows what you need. So pursue a greater purpose. Again, here's the, the part of the antidote to worrying. You've just got to have a better ambition. Verse 29, here's the choice. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So do you see the choice, verse 29 and 30? Either you, you set your heart on the mundane details of life, the stuff that gets you through life. That's what unbelievers do, Jesus' word here, pagans. Or, or you set your heart on God's kingdom, verse 31. Not a physical place, of course, you can't buy two tickets to the kingdom, but you set your heart on bringing your life under his rule, becoming more like him, seeing others come under his rule, seeing others follow Jesus. You set your heart on his kingdom. And just one of those truths, human beings at a really basic level, we need something greater than ourselves. I was struck, uh, I kept an article, uh, it was on the 70th anniversary of London being bombed repeatedly in the Blitz. The striking feature to my mind of the article was, uh, it was obviously a few years ago now, the 70th anniversary, but uh, of those who have been interviewed, the overwhelming majority looked back and described being bombed repeatedly night after night in the Blitz as the best time of their lives. And we sit here and think, why would, why would that be? And they just sort of express it in slightly different ways, those who are interviewed. But there you had a generation that essentially said, then we knew we were fighting for something that mattered. Then we felt in a struggle between good and evil. 
then we knew every morning we'd get up and have to shift stuff around and going to work and not being scared was a sort of resolute act of resistance. It felt like what we were doing really made a difference. And subsequently, our lives have been quite straightforward and relatively easy, and we've become more affluent. And that, that was the best time of our lives. Camaraderie, talking to people, standing shoulder to shoulder. Those were the good days. That's just so counterintuitive, isn't it? But you see what's being said. They lived for something more than just food, clothing, what's next, small desires. They live for something greater. As a moral framework, we're fighting for God, for king, for country. Uh, and that's just more wonderful than shopping at Amazon and Boohoo and wherever and John Lewis. It's just greater. And Jesus says, look, you have to pursue a greater purpose. It's more satisfying. It fills our deep need for meaning. You need that. Having that greater purpose is one of the things that stops you worrying about the less significant factors in life. He finishes with these lovely words of assurance, verse 31. Look, seek his kingdom. Look, these other details, they'll be given to you as well in the normal scheme of life. And then secondly, this encouragement, verse 32. Don't be afraid, little flock. A lovely tender word, little flock. Don't be afraid. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom already, past tense. Your future is safe. So he's saying, verse 32, you will be afraid if you forget that your future is safe. But if you know that your future is safe, you don't need to be scared and anxious and afraid. Do you, do you see that? Verse 32. Don't be afraid. Why can we not be afraid? Because God has already given you the kingdom. Your place in heaven is secure. That's his logic. The great obstacle to wholehearted service of Jesus is fear. It's really striking. If I, if you, if we're not wholehearted, it's because we're scared. We worry about the wrong things. And Jesus is saying that heirs to an eternal kingdom should not be afraid to give away temporary provisions. If you're the heir of an eternal kingdom, don't be scared to give away something which is just a fleeting possession. I've left it downstairs. I brought with me this morning uh, a yogurt. as best before today. I was going to give it away to someone. Anyone want a yogurt best before today? It's still downstairs. It's quite a nice yogurt. Muller. Corner. But I, giving away a yogurt best before today, it's not a big deal, is it? Because tomorrow is useless to me. That's what he's saying here. Don't, don't be afraid. Your future's secure. You can give away stuff that's just fleeting, temporary. Don't live a life of worry. Your father knows what you need. So pursue a greater purpose. What does that look like, practically, at the start of 2020? Well, we're to seek God's kingdom. 
Seek God's kingdom. We need a greater purpose. Uh, Phil shared with me something this week, which I enjoyed. His business was a little, a little article about um, some ambitious schemes amongst Christians uh, globally. So amongst the Han Chinese, they plan to plant churches along the historic Silk Route. So they're currently raising 100,000 missionaries to plant churches along the historic Silk Route. It's good ambition, isn't it? The Nigerian church has got Vision 5015. The aim is to send 50,000 church planters across North Africa in the next 15 years. It's ambitious, isn't it? 50,000 in 15 years. The Pacific Islanders who've united in the Deep Sea Canoe Project to ensure that every island in the whole of the region gets to hear about Jesus in the next decade. Now that's seeking the kingdom of God, isn't it? I don't suppose they're worried too much about what clothes they're wearing or what their bodies are looking like because they've just got a greater ambition. Now, okay, what about you and me? Well, I guess here's a couple. Verse 33 here, Jesus is going to say, look, if you know you have an eternal kingdom, you, you can sit lightly to your possessions here and now. But it's hard to do, isn't it? So look, let me give a couple of examples personally. Uh, one would be money. Um, I have never been particularly fussed about long-term things. But all of a sudden, in the last year or so, I found myself, and this is to my shame, I found myself thinking, here I am, sort of drifting towards late 40s, pension. Rats. Now, I should have done something more about that earlier, of course. But um, you think, okay, so the CV tells me, that my statement comes through, and the CV tells me, if I work till I'm 68, I get a very small four-figure pension. And all of a sudden, you know, what for year, I'd looked at this document for years and just thought, oh, well, I just laughed and put it aside. All of a sudden, something's just risen up in me that's gone, freak out. Not in a good way. Um, I think, what, well, okay, what do you do with that? You think, oh, well, exit their pension scheme. It's rubbish and join another one and put a bit of money in and you do what you can and then just ignore it. Because I was firmly rebuked at another funeral recently. Uh, a couple had died, the, uh, the, the wife and the, the husband, just a, a couple of months apart. I'd left behind five adult children. And uh, one of the things that came out and emerged was that as their children had left home in their 20, uh, teens and 20s and off to university, etc., the parents had three times their downsized and then into their retirement downsized their house to free up, free up equity and give it all away. We don't need that house anymore, so we just shrink it, keep shrinking it. Just give it all away. Oh, why are you moving? Well, to give the money away. But it costs money to move. Yeah, but we can free up X amount, so in the end, it's a net win for the kingdom. And their kids said, you know, there was the odd moment where we thought, that's our inheritance. That's <laughs> like, that money, isn't it? Isn't that how it works? And of course they said, but what they've left us in that model, in what matters, in what we should treasure, that is a much better inheritance that mum and dad left for those kids. It's easy, you have a little freak out, money. The other one that struck me in my own life that is really applying this in terms of worry is 
Uh, I don't know about you and your family, but what do you pray about? Certainly for us as a family, the time is so rushed in the morning. I'm just getting, getting out to school on time, work on time, uh, having eaten something, and with half a tooth cleaned is always an achievement. Uh, so prayer in the mornings is so perfunctory. It's, uh, 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 have a good day, uh, uh, that I'm productive, uh, that this meeting goes well, and that's it. Uh, and there's partly, but of course, there are other times, I don't know, I have the privilege that I can sit at my desk and then I'll get out a deck of cards for praying for mission partners. And you think, now this matters as you pray for, whatever it may be, Stan in Central Asia or the Griffiths raising missionaries for East Asia or the Oranges planting churches in Brussels. And you think, okay, I want to pray for these things because it lifts my eyes and I stop stressing about the small things. And even, dare I say, in that daily experience, Jesus is right. If you seek first his kingdom and care about that, you don't worry about the details. And they still seem to fall into place. Don't live a life of worry, because your father knows what you need. So pursue a greater purpose. Don't waste your life on small, self-focused dreams. It's a complete waste of your life. And you waste time worrying. Seek his kingdom. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, here is such a simple instruction, don't worry. And yet it's one that we fail in recurrently, even today. Father, would we remember who you are? Would we know that if we're Christians, we have a Father in heaven, and you know what we need, and therefore we are free to seek your kingdom, to give our lives to something that matters, the growth of your kingdom, Seeing that come in people's lives, individuals' lives, colleagues' lives, neighbors' lives, would we give ourselves more to pursuing your kingdom, living for this greater ambition, and therefore would you liberate us from our small worries, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.